Hi guys. Hi. Welcome to History Hi. of Hello. a Haunting. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Carrie. And I'm your other host, Laura. And today we have a very special guest host with us, you guys. Please give a warm H-O-A-H welcome to Matt and Josie Haas of Haas Paranormal. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, what's up? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, today, guys, we are going to be covering a location that Matt and Josie are the foremost paranormal experts on. And today, that episode is Kingsland Manor in New Jersey. So it's the same format, you guys. Laura's going to do her history portion. And then instead of me doing the haunting portion, Matt and Josie are going to take over that part of it for us. So um, do you guys have any questions before we get started? No. No, we're nope. good. Yep. And it's in, is it in Nutley, New Jersey? Yeah, Nutley. Okay. Yes. All right. Perfect. Well, Laura, go ahead. Take it away. What are your sources? So my sources for today are wikipedia.org, kingslandmanornutley.org, uh, revolutionarywarnewjersey.com, oh, okay. and journeythroughjersey.com. Cool. Um, as we said, uh, the Kingsland Manor um, is located in New Jersey in Nutley, which is in Essex County. Um, it is a Dutch colonial home with federal-style elements. Um the house has been described as containing 17 rooms, two kitchens, a ballroom, a slave prison, a slaughterhouse, a smokehouse, an underground Indian raid cellar, and a 125-foot tunnel leading to a stone barn fort. Wow, okay. Um, so, solitary <laughs> confinement torture pen with manacle leg irons, neck yokes, a double ball, and chain captors. Now, this is a lot of this is speculated because... Um, they don't think some of it was probably not really used for what they're kind of saying it was used for, but um, that was just on one website. Matt and Josie, yeah, I know you've been there a bunch. Have you seen this stuff there? Um, yeah, I mean, it it was definitely used as a speakeasy. Um, you know, uh, as far as uh, the fellow that ran the speakeasy was the constable. Uh, he was in trouble with the law and everything. Um. They did some bootlegging. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the root cellar, they they're suggesting that the tunnel that you spoke of, the 125 foot tunnel, they did survey the land uh, with ground penetrating mm -hmm. radar uh, with a company that came and did that for them. Um, they did find voids in the ground. Then they don't think that they're accessible. They're probably caved in at some points oh. of, the, of the tunnel uh, for. For the fact that it's like so old um and plus they built a lot of stuff around it like over time and you know you got shopping centers yeah. across the street you know you got a neighborhood mm -hmm. over on top of it um but there are rumors that um the constable uh bus beginning who was the bootlegger uh ran across the other side of the tunnel took a pistol to his head and killed himself so um you know, there, there's a lot of uh, records stating that that's true. I think the tunnel, there's right. also a tunnel going into the speakeasy, correct? Yes. Okay, so there's two. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah so it was kind of speculated on different places, like kind of 
how much of this is actually there and how much isn't. So that's why I was, that's why I figured I'd ask right. you this since you've been there. <laughs> well, it's such a, it sounds like it's right. such a huge exactly. place. Let's take a look at it real quick and watch this beat. Watch me put this picture up and Matt and Jesse are like, that's not it. What, where'd you get, <laughs> hang on, let's, let's see if I did this right. <laughs> <laughs> did I get it right? Yep. That's it. Okay. That's well, it, it doesn't yeah. look like it would be as big as, Laura had wow described this is that's crazy I love it I can't wait to go it, no. it's really not that big really yeah. yeah yeah when you're there in person it, it looks uh smaller in person does it okay okay oh, okay yeah I mean there well, are a lot of rooms but it's not huge okay you know, it's a small right location. okay yeah. all right but it is considered okay. a mansion right yes hmm. okay cool right well and getting back to the history portion, um, it was built in 1768 as a farmhouse by two brothers, John and James Walls, uh, for James and his wife, Mary. Uh, Kingsland Manor is located next to Kingsland Park, um, overlooking the waterfalls on the third river, which flows through the park. Oh, cool. As you saw in the picture, there's water right there. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. It's really beautiful. The grounds look, I mean... Just gorgeous. I'm sure that even in person, they're probably even prettier. Yeah. Um, actually, a recent storm knocked out the bridge uh, to the falls and the water there, and they're replacing it because the storm uh, did some damage. Oh, really? Was it like a footbridge, or could you oh. drive over it? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, a footbridge. You could walk oh, walk across the, the water. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but very well, good. Oldest portion. Yeah, it looks really pretty. The oldest portion of Kingsland Manor was built circa 1768, seven years before the Revolutionary War began. Uh, wow. The house was much smaller at that time and, in fact, stood at a different location, about a mile upriver from its current location, near a mill in what is now uh, Memorial Park, or commonly known as the Mud Hole. Oh. Soon after that, <laughs> right? <laughs> nice name. Right. Uh, sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. <laughs> right? I have no idea why they brought it down river. <laughs> <laughs> but soon after that smaller version of the house was constructed at that site it was taken apart the pieces were then floated downriver to the site where the house was reconstructed oh wow okay. um right yeah so james and mary continued to live at the house throughout the revolutionary war years um the closest that i was able to find anything really related to the revolutionary war was that they did say that the Continental Army retreated down what is now River Road in November of 1776. And the River Road is less than a half a mile from the King Kingsland Manor. So it was likely that James and Mary Walls um, would have been aware of the thousands of soldiers coming by. And they may have, like, you know, come off the road and maybe wandered up to the house and such. But sure. if that's just speculation, there's no, like, recorded information about the house you know, being involved in the retreat or, you know, sure. too much of the Revolutionary and War. I would um, love to add that, that George Washington, uh, there's another tall tale of George Washington uh, coming across and being connected with the Kingsland family. Because uh, just recently, uh, a, a historic grandfather clock mm -hmm. got donated by one of the descendants of the Kingsland family just recently. Um, and it's almost intact. And they apparently got it from George Washington's side of um, things. And Whoa. they've had it in their family for such wow. a long time. Yeah. And it, like, they were like, 
can we send it to you guys? Can you guys take it? They didn't know what to do with it. And of course, Leon Kish, who's the historian there, was like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> oh, my God. That That's is cool. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So speaking of the Kingslands... Um, Around 1787 to 1790, uh, that's when Joseph Kingsland purchased property. Um, during the Revolutionary War, Joseph had left the country to live in Nova Scotia, uh, which implied that he was either loyal to the British or he was simply neutral and just didn't want to be involved in the war. So, but now that you're saying that grandfather clock, it seems like it'd be the latter, right? Like he was probably just neutral. Yeah. If they were getting stuff from George yeah. Washington. Yeah, they were probably just trying to get out of the way. Right. So that sounds like a smart move. Well, I mean, you can't blame them. No, you really can't. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Americans weren't um, strongly pro-independence anyway. There was like a third were pro-independent, a third were loyal to the British, and a third were neutral. So, Uh, okay. um, Yeah. Again, um, I know that the Kingsland did have some, I think his wife had a distant like a cousin once removed type of situation to a famous general that fought on the American side oh. and some of their other family did as well. So, Wow. Okay. I believe if, if you guys really want to get in depth with the history of the Kingsland family, I believe Leon has a link or some kind of genealogy information. Family tree. Yeah. There's like a family tree. Yeah. Like a family tree. yeah. yeah. Okay. You can yeah. get super crazy with it, but <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, and going back that yeah. far too is, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is still, yeah. I mean, late seventeen hundreds. So when Joseph did come back from Nova Scotia, he moved to New York City. Um, from there, he purchased the manor and approximately twenty-three acres of surrounding property. Um, he continued to live in New York for a while while improvements were made on the manor. Um, him and his wife moved into Kingsland Manor in 1796. Uh, the Kingsland family continued to live there until 1909. Whoa. So over, yeah, three generations, I believe. Wow. Okay. Um, at least, yeah. <laughs> so over that time, uh, alterations uh, were made. Um, and set, like Joseph Kingsland, when I somehow I messed up my thing. Oh, um, so he had gotten a contract to install wooden curbing in the city. That's how he came down there. I don't know what wooden curbing is. I'm guessing it's curbs made of wood. <laughs> kind of strange, but what have you. I mean, sure. So, uh, yeah, why not? Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, when Joseph got the city contract, uh, he needed an ample supply of hardwood and a mill to cut it. So, remembering that the, the walls, the original owners, um, had a mill... And the woodland surrounding it, um, he came to Nutley and got the farmhouse and the lumber mill. Okay. So, um, it did take him, what, like three years before he could clear all the lanes on the property and six years while he fulfilled his contract to the city to raise the ceilings and plaster the walls to make the home what he called livable for his wife and children. So. Wow. All right. Yeah. Clearly he's a, he's a, he's a city guy. He wanted (laughs) You know, Seriously? like a little bit. Probably wasn't used too much to the country life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Had to make it still, still rude. <laughs> right? Like, livable. <laughs> right? Yeah. It seemed like people had been living there for a while. It seems like it was okay, but, you know. Just yeah. fine, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. But, like, livable back then, like, 
was way different. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Joseph's son, Joseph Jr., partnered with his brother-in-law, Peter Morris, to take the sawdust waste from the lumber mill and turn it into paper. Um, Joseph Sr. helped finance the establishment of the Kingsland Paper Enterprise. Adding to their fortunes, they branched out to grinding wheat and corn in a gristmill and selling ice. In 1821, Joseph Sr. died, leaving the Kingsland Manor and property to his son, Joseph Jr. Um, Joseph Jr. continued the family businesses until his death in 1899. Uh, Joseph... Uh, his sisters sold the property in 1909. So the Kingland legacy, again, I said earlier was, you know, three generations, a couple centuries. Um, At one point they had partnered with a guy named George Lamont and they became producers of safety paper. And I believe they were one of the first people to make the safety paper and safety paper is, um, you know, like financial paper where you use like with the watermarks and it has security oh. features in it. Okay. So at that time, that that was revolutionary as far as like for the financial industry and banks and sure. the government. Yeah. Yeah. So this became, I mean, obviously wow. a big thing. We all use it now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like all our checks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so, and as you were talking about, uh, the, in 1909, um, a Chicago politician and lawyer named Dan McGinty uh, purchased the Kingsland Manor to use the building and grounds as a training site for pugilists. Uh, Dan partnered with Bob Fitzsimmons, a professional boxer who was a sport's first three-division world champion. Uh, so Diamond Dan was married to Catherine Agnes, and they had a child, Bernard Charles. Bernard, nicknamed Bus, was educated in the Nutley School System and graduated from the high school in 1919. Okay. In 1921, Bus became a constable in the Third war- Ward of Nutley. And by 1927, he was a freelance cartoonist for New York American newspaper. Oh, cool. Um, that year, Buzz opened, or Bus, I'm sorry. Bus or Buzz? Bus? Yeah. Bus. Bus. Yeah. Bus. Okay. But, I just want to make sure it just seems weird to call somebody bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just afraid if we don't call him bus, he'll he'll break my leg. Because we got an yeah, EVP there, yeah. of him possibly saying he wants to break our legs. So <laughs> Oh no kidding. Lovely man. Yeah. Yeah, he Great. sounds very like an interesting fellow. Right? Uh, bus it so is. He's the one that opened Yeah, right. Yeah, he's the one that opened the speakeasy we were talking about earlier. Okay. Um and that operated until Prohibition ended. And then he opened um, the Colonel Club in the ballroom. Um, unfortunately, one December night, uh, Bus uh, served alcohol to a couple of non-members who were state alcohol and beverage commissioners, and he lost his club's license. Yikes. So, and again, as we talked about earlier, um, his body, under weird circumstances, his body was found... Outside the barn, across from the manor, with a gun lying next to him. He had been shot in the head, and he was 37. Oh, God, really? Yeah, he died young, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, his wife uh, ran the manor as the Nutley Private Hospital until 1938. Wow. uh, When she lost the property due to unpaid taxes. Um, In 1939, Mr. and Mrs. Ralph Smith acquired the manor in a sheriff's sale. Um, Ralph was an air traffic controller at Newark Airport. 
And it was during the period when the Smiths lived at the manor that it was documented by the Historic American Building Survey and turned into, I'm guessing, then protected. What year was so this? So in 1938. Oh, okay. Or no, I'm sorry, in 1939. Somewhere wow, big liar. <laughs> I don't know. I'm <laughs> making it all up. That. That's when I got it. <laughs> don't question me. Sorry. <laughs> We've got the experts here. We've got to like, I'm like. <laughs> Listen, Laura's spot on with her, with her info here. So I got to give her kudos for doing her homework. Yay. Oh, Good job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so the manor was purchased by... In 1944, again, um, by International Telephone and Telegraph, ITT, and became the home of one of its presidents um, named L. John Denny. Uh, Denny lived in the manor until 1958, when the property was sold and inhabited by Norman and Dort Sheps. The Sheps sold many of the original furnishings from the colonial home in their antique store in Chatham, Massachusetts, uh, yeah. during a period known as Colonial or Early American Revival. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I know that stuff is super popular. I'm very excited. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big bummer that they had done that, though. Right? Yeah. That they just sold off a bunch of it? That's why I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I thought it was interesting because, yeah, like kind of a big yeah. shitty thing to do. Right? Um, Man. Yeah. I mean, because they kind of, you know, took away a lot of this, the cool stuff that probably would have, you know, I'm sure that was in there. Right. Yeah. That really yeah. fit with the house. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in 1971, the Sheps sold the manor to a developer uh, who wanted to subdivide the property and build four modern homes in its place. Um, And he did ask the Nutley Planning Board um, if he could, and they said no. Thank God. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And so, they turned it down, and instead uh, of letting him have it, they actually purchased the property... um, and then in 1974, the Historic Restoration Trust of Nutley was established as a partnership between the Friends of Kingland Manor and the Parks and Rec Commission of Nutley. Wow. So okay. for the past 46 years, the trust has been faithful to the original design of the manor. Great. Uh, using HAB's um, program, which I'm not exactly, I would imagine, has something to do with being able to see the old stuff. Uh, but pictures, drawings, and de- descriptions for its basis uh, for the restoration work that it's done. Um, it is was added to the National Register of Historic Places and the New Jersey Register of Historic Places in 1978. And that is the history of the Kingland Manor. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, about how you can visit the manor and the kind of stuff that you can see there. Um because it does have, you know, uh, all that, like, 19th century. Uh, not all that it had, but <laughs> right. some 18th, 19th century furniture, you know, decorative objects, toys. I mean, all that kind of stuff, like, from yeah. back then. So it seems Fair. pretty cool. And some, it looks like some stuff from the Prohibition era Oh, well. cool. All right. So, well, yeah. let's take a look at some pictures that, that I found about Kingsland Manor real quick. Let's see. Is that another view of it? Did I get the right picture? Now I'm all nervous. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Definitely the, the, the back, back. The back, which is kind of like what used to be the front. front. Right. That okay. was actually huh. the building back in the day. When you pull up to it now, you're on the other side. You're on, you're on the back yeah. side of it. 
Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, then there's yeah. this picture that I thought was really cool. That is cool. Yeah, that's the that's the one of the bedrooms on the second floor. Um, there's like two beds in the in the back of that room facing the other way. So if you were to turn around, there's like a couple of beds on the other side. Okay. Um, and they have this like funky looking witch window. Yeah, the witch window. Which, like, oh yes, that's one that's over here on the left. Yeah. yeah. It's and that in itself has its own superstition behind why people did that. That witches could not fly if the window Side was, was Yeah, they would have sideways. to go. Yeah, right. they couldn't fly sideways. That's right. cool. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I have okay. I found this one as well. Oh wow. Oh, yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, I have not seen that picture, actually. Yeah, so from February 22nd, 1890, grandmother Margaret Stewart Kingsland, great-grandmother Stewart, daughter Margaret Mallory, is that Carol? And then mother Martha Kingsland, Carol. I found that. Good okay. find. Yeah. Great, thanks. <laughs> and you know what? Actually, is it... Okay, let me try to, like, get scoot over here. This picture that's my background, is that the other side of that... Is this picture yes. the other? Okay, yeah. so then that's the yeah. other side of that one room. Yeah. So that's oh, cool. now okay. your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, here's a question. I also found this picture. Nalor, can you shift to the side? I found this picture. Do, who is who's that? That's Joseph Cleveland. Is that a picture of a man? That's it, Joseph. Yeah, that's looks, Yeah, that's Joseph. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I'm it looks to like move a as much as I can. right. It looks like a, an older, a much older painting. But I mm -hmm. was like, I don't know who that is, but we'll ask him. Yeah, it, it's a portrait of him. Yeah, somebody did a portrait of him, and that's what that is. Okay. All right. All right. Great. Well, so uh, survey says Laura's history was pretty spot on, huh? Yes. yes. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I could hope yeah. for then. <laughs> that, that just, like, it has so many hidden gems in its, in its history it in itself. Why? Right, so many like, different layers. You wouldn't imagine mm -hmm. all that history there and, and all the things that it's connected with aside from the kings and like the things they did in the town and uh, yeah. the Revolutionary War and the paper mill and mm -hmm. you know all the other just, stuff that they were. Yeah. You would it's have no idea. Crazy. Yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating yeah. place. That's um, really cool. Yeah, it really is. So before we have you guys tell us all about the paranormal activity that goes on there, how did you two get connected with Kingsland Manor? Like, How did you guys stumble upon it? Is it a place that you had investigated? Or tell us how you guys got involved with Kingsland Manor. It was never investigated before, actually, and I think Matt was doing some research, and he found out about it, and then he contacted, I think it was Dot at the time. Yeah, at the time. She's now passed. She, She's uh, passed away. About, uh, what, two years ago now? Oh, a little more than two years, more, I think. two years ago? Okay. And um, we actually had a meet with the board. Yeah, the, of, you know, the, 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 you know, the preservation that she yeah spoke of. sure we had it, 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 what was funny about it is 
Dot was like, oh, do you mind meeting, you know, with a couple of people, sit down, we'll talk, you know, about what what we want to do and explain how we do things. And I said, sure, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I lecture in front of a big crowd, so I don't mind sitting down in front of a few people right. and yeah. explain what we do. And I was excited. I was like, yeah, okay. So we show up and the whole board the whole is board, there. The room was filled. It was the whole oh, wow. board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they were so nice. Yeah, and- but they were nice. They, they were very right. welcoming and. They loved our ideas. Um, yeah, they loved our ideas because, uh, as you guys know, like as paranormal investigators, uh, like what you guys do in, in, on your side in your neck of the woods, yeah, um, we try to help historic locations and yeah. raise money uh, because they they have trouble raising funds, and we try to help uh, with their restorations with our public events. And, yeah, and they rely on donations. And, right. So right. it wasn't just okay. a matter of us going in and investigating and opening it up to the public. It was a matter of, this is a real special place to me and, and both of us. Oh, yeah. And all the you know things they do there. And I said, what can we do to help them? And this is what we've been doing with them ever since. That's wonderful. And how long have you That's guys awesome. been partnered with them? Like, I, I say probably around 10 years. Wow, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. We, we got married in 2011. Okay. And then Hurricane Sandy came in 2012. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it was right before to, right before Sandy hit where I think we met with them and then we started investigating after Sandy, you know, all that was out of the right. way and then we started. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it would be like just about 10 years. Wow. That is wonderful. I had no idea that you guys had been partnered with them for so long. Um, so now when you first went in and did your in- initial investigation, did you think that there was anything there or did you just think, eh, we'll find, we'll see. Yeah, it was kind of like, we'll, yeah, see. we'll see. It's kind of old. There has to be a little something. Yeah, because know? what's funny is the historian, he, he's a big skeptic. And he was like, kind of like wishy-washy about, like, I don't know if you're going to find anything. Because yeah. he's not a believer. And, mm-hmm. But there are other people that are part of the, their organization that are more interested in, in us oh. finding something. Good, okay. You know, so of course, we went in, we always go in with, some kind of skepticism. Right. You have to as a researcher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we thought at first we weren't gonna get anything right, because it yeah. was quiet. It was just us and it was and it was kind of quiet and um and then all of a sudden things started happening that night. Yeah. That we were kind of blown away with. Yeah. Um some really unforgettable moments. <laughs> <laughs> From the first night. Yeah. The first night. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um well, you wanna- well, one of one of the things that I absolutely loved were we were in the summer kitchen, and the footsteps that we were hearing all over the manor. I mean, it was incredible. I just I, I couldn't believe it. I was, you know I was just blown away by that. Wow. Do you remember all that? Yeah, we were sitting in the windowsill. Yeah, in the windowsill. And just like still as anything, we had the whole place to ourselves. That's how we roll. We don't like anyone else there. Sure. Because um, we don't want contamination. And, right. Um, the floorboards, because the building is so old, are very yeah, thin. They, they're, but they're very wide. And you can kind of even see through the floorboards, like into oh, the basement. Really? That's how old it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So <laughs> when you hear footsteps, you hear footsteps. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there's no mistaking it. It wouldn't sound anything like an animal might have gotten in. It's very clear. No. Okay. Wow. 
wow. Okay. So you also had problems with your um, extension cord. Oh yeah. That night when we were down in the speakeasy. Yeah, they don't they don't like my equipment. Yeah, yeah. they did. They were not happy with Matt's equipment. Yeah, I was and, I was setting up an SLS camera in the basement, and I had this brand new extension cord, I, and I was happy I had it because it was a cool extension cord. It's like an octopus, you know. Yeah, had I could all connect. Those. I could connect like this and that. Right. And Laura disappeared. Laura did <laughs> yeah. disappear. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Rude. Oh wait, she just yeah, texted. What started, happened? They don't like my equipment, and then they turned her off. <laughs> oh, uh, Laura, the ghost didn't. The ghost turned out they didn't like your history, and so they turned you off. <laughs> She'll probably be calling in here in just a second. That's funny. Keep going. We'll fill her <laughs> in in a minute. So. All right, yeah. we'll fill her in. <laughs> so, um, I got this like expensive Radio Shack extension cord before they went out of business right. and, yeah and um I, w I was excited to use it i was like yeah you know i'm hooking everything up and i got everything going so we go back down later after we left everything running on its own uh when we went to go finish investigating i go to we went downstairs where we set all this stuff up and i look and the power is off to all the equipment that we were running. And I was like, what is going on here? I said, it's a brand new extension cord and nothing is working. And I was like, it's kind of weird. Right. It you, was you like, just bought a brand new extension cord. Yeah. Unopened. I just, right. So I'm like, all right, maybe I blew a fuse because the building is all I'm like, I hope I didn't blow something in one of the outlets. Right. <laughs> but no, he didn't try plugging in other things that worked. Yeah. In that outlet. And then we also tried the extension cord in other outlets and it wouldn't work either. In places that we um, knew that had power. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Yeah. Then, turned it on, nothing. No, no juice, nothing. I was so like disappointed. So we're like, oh, it's fried. Forget I'm like, it. I'm going to have to take on. it back to the radio shack and tell them, listen, I right. bought this. <laughs> it working. And then I said, you know what? I said, I think they were messing with us because I said, I just had this feeling when I come home and I plug it in at home and I turn it on, it's going to work. And right. guess what? Sure enough. Sure enough, it works. And we still have it and still use it today. <laughs> wow, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that is interesting. So Laura just met, texted and said that her Wi-Fi has gone out. So oh, <laughs> she's like, it's totally out. She's like, my router is yellow. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so Sorry, I'm like, Laura. yeah, I, she's like, I'll come back if I can. I'm like, yeah, we're going on without you. It's fine. <laughs> oh. eh, she can and catch she it on YouTube. I know, right? <laughs> God. Yeah, she's contacting her cable company. So. It's fine. She can watch it on YouTube. It's all right. <laughs> so, so from the first night, you guys started having experiences. And then how long before you were having others come in to investigate it? And like, what were some of the other things that you've experienced over the last 10 years that really stand out to you that you can almost always count on every time you go there? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it was pretty soon after that because we had Alex with us. Right. And that's when we, we did a lot of work in the speakeasy. Right. Okay. And you had the, the SLF, the Connect. Yeah, the SLF camera. We got oh, a lot okay. of SLF in the basement. I know the flaws of the SLS, and I know if you walk around with it uh, mobily, you know, it has flaws in its software sure. where it's designed to pick up um, 
and, and map like figures with right. objects that are in the frame of the sensor. Right. And that's what it's meant to do. So that's accurate. It's going to work like that. So I think if you're walking around with it, it's going to map any object to look like a figure. Right, because so, it can't really focus in on one thing right. because it's constantly, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. So, if, however, I do think it'll be useful if you use it like a stationary SLF camera. So if you just place it in one spot and leave it, and then you get something because you're not moving it, and it's in one spot that it's not moved, and right. you get a figure, then you have something uh, interesting going on there. Right. So that's why we were using the SLS in the, in the basement right. a lot, because obviously with it being the speakeasy, we, we thought maybe this would be the most active area. And right. we did. We got some interesting SLS uh, footage of a couple of figures just appearing out of nowhere. And one um, looked like it was playing the bass. It looked like it was in like the like a jazz band kind of. Like when they would sit on the floor. Yeah, and like play the bass, and hold the, you know, hold the, the upright bass. Yeah. And, um, Really interesting um, figures. We got more than one. We we got two actually, and um, <clears throat> then uh, we also got two figures that it was a speakeasy, and it right. was bad stuff on there. Sure. Okay, and there were ladies of the evening for entertainment purposes. For entertainment purposes, sure. And <laughs> we actually got two figures having, having sex. sex. <laughs> Are you serious? Serious. <laughs> I would love to show you this. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. But if you have children watching, it may right, not be appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Privately, we'll show you. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have, I have never. Board, they really? <laughs> I have seen so much footage of people using the SLS camera, but I have never seen or heard anybody have an experience like that with it. I would love mm -hmm. to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. for, at first we were like, what? what? Yeah. And then we were like, oh my God. Oh <laughs> my God. That is. Because again, like you said, capturing something like that is yeah. unheard of. Because we're like, yeah. They're down on their knees. Wait, yeah. what, what's going I'm on? I'm like, what's wait a minute. <laughs> I said, first of all, they were, they were on all fours. Oh right? my God. It literally, you know, now I don't want to go into detail, but sure. let's just say that you can, um, you know, see some motion going on. Figured it out. <laughs> oh, man. Laura is going to be so mad she missed that <laughs> Okay, so she just texted back and said that, yeah, it's down in her entire area. So we might not get Laura back. Oh, but. Oh, that's sorry. all right. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Um, I love that. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. It was. It really was. Yeah. So what are some other but, common paranormal activity that happens there besides fornicating stick figures? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of footsteps action. Mm -hmm. You'll hear footsteps. Um, even uh, Leon, the historian, has also um, reported hearing footsteps when he's the only one in the house. Really? Um, yeah. He'll say, being a skeptic, he is. Uh, I think it's great when you hear a skeptic say, you know, I heard yeah. I, I heard yeah. stuff going on, and, yeah. I, and I don't believe in this. And I'm like, well, how do you explain that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Laura is, she bring, does bring a skeptic's perspective to our show. 
Um, she wants to believe. She just hasn't ever had anything happen mm -hmm. that has really pushed her over one way or another. So right. um, I really enjoy taking Laura with us when we go and investigate places like Trans-Allegheny and the old hospital on College Hill because... Unfortunately, she couldn't make Trans-Allegheny, but she did have some experiences at the old hospital on College Hill in West Virginia. She couldn't explain. And they actually happened to her when we were doing our Facebook Live. So I really, and, and she didn't write it off. She didn't, she was like, I cannot explain that. I know what I heard. I know what was going on. Yeah, I know the right. situation and where everybody was. And we heard a ventilator. We heard like an oxygen machine. She and I oh, both. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, it's it's an amazing place. It's really amazing. And she's like, I can't explain it. I, you know, so she's, you know, she she likes to expose herself to that kind of stuff because like I said, she wants to believe. She just hasn't had anything happen. So I think it's always find it really interesting to see what folks like Leon how they explain it if they can or if they can't and when they have stuff like that happen to them. So I, I love to hear those yeah. kind, yeah. kinds of yeah. situations. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we've had other investigators that we uh, work with uh, in our uh, small circle of, you know, para friends that we work with closely, um, like uh, Ron Yacovetti, yeah. uh, Lourdes Gonzalez of Anthony Voices, Gone yeah. Paranormal, and then we've had Secret Club of the Paranormal there, um, oh, with, great. uh, you know, and Sure. We've had, uh, even, uh, Joe C., uh, Giuseppe, uh, had his SLF, uh, oh, pick yeah. up a figure in the, in the speakeasy mm -hmm. as well. So knowing that other people, other people's equipment has also picked up stuff, uh, aside from our equipment. Right. Just validate things even more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, and I think that's so important too, because we have so much um, criticism and disbelief and all of this stuff lobbed our way all the time that of course they're going right. to be like, well, your, your equipment is rigged and you've got it set up for this, or you've done this or done that. So it does help just sort of validate and kind of back up our evidence that we may catch when another group is using their evidence, you know, their equipment. And I think that's really important because we're constantly having to defend our, our captures, right? We're constantly having right. to justify everything down to yeah. the kind of equipment we use, you know, Hey, maybe right. they rigged it. Maybe they, this, maybe they, that, maybe, you know, right. so right. It, it just, and it just goes with the territory, but it is so important when other groups, just like a theory, you know what I mean? You try an experiment. This is your hypothesis. This is the end result of it. And if other people can come in and test the same thing and get the same yeah, and response, replicate it, yeah. replicate it right. that is essentially what we're trying to do. So I think right. that's wonderful. I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we don't um, open it up to the public per se, as far as outside okay. of our circle of people that we work with. Okay. Um, just simply because um, like the board there are very particular with who they work with. Sure. And we have to be careful how we present uh, what, what we do and who we work with that we bring in there. Yeah. And, you know, we want to keep that level of trust Um you know, and reputation of our own uh, of with them to continue working there. 
there. So mm -hmm. that's why we're careful um, with who we bring there because, there, you know, like there's some bad apples out there and people use uh, the wrong intent with their energy and they bring in negative energy. Right. You don't know how their style is of investigating, whether it be provocation, uh, mm -hmm. using the Ouija board, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You don't want that bad mojo in a place where you have a good uh, credibility. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, along those lines, have you guys ever had anything scary or even like violent happen any kind of activity like that happen while you've been investigating in kingsland no not in kingsland it's yeah. been all good uh energy so far um okay. i mean I, i've had physical uh experiences where i've had my shirt pulled on where i was not expecting to have like my physical uh right. clothes being Hold, <laughs> and I'm just in there having conversation with a friend, and all of a sudden, I, and I jump like six feet in the air, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would do. Yeah, so I've had that happen twice to me: once in the on the main floor, and also in the children's room. Yeah, I've had my shirt pulled on, and they pointed on video. Uh, the Simonelli brother had it on camera actually, and they could see <laughs> the whole portion of my shirt was like messed with because they, really? they saw in video how it was like nice and straight yeah. and then you could see like where it was like cold and <laughs> he was like fabulous. oh he's like yeah he was like no like we have it on video i'm like really I'm like that's cool <laughs> that's really fabulous yeah that's really great well so then i think um i think that's really good to know because i think a lot of people find i think they think that Every haunted location, be it Alcatraz or Trans-Allegheny or, you know, mm -hmm. like Winchester or even the Phelps Dodge Hospital, the 1910 jail. I think everybody just sort of thinks every place has a bad, scary entity. And so I think mm -hmm. it's really important that we are like, you know, we talk about the locations that don't. You know, sometimes they just have spirits. Sometimes, right. yeah. you know, it was somebody's right. home for such a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. how many spirits and, and would you... One... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to say that's one good thing about Kingsland is because all of our findings kind of relate to the history there and the different levels of the haunting, you yeah. know? Yeah. So yeah. That's what's amazing. And that, that's what I love about working with Leon, too, not just as a skeptic, but him being such a... Um, well in-depth historian knowing the place very well with all the records all the information he's yeah. collected over the years that he could validate he if validates, we get a name right. or a, you know a find right I, oh, yeah. we, we bring to him our information and say listen uh, we came up with uh, you know Bridget right let's just throw the name Bridget out there sure and he's like oh okay he's like well Bridget uh, in this timeline uh, of this part of the family was related to so-and-so and I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> that is fabulous. That is really fabulous. So how many spirits that would you say are there that you guys in the 10 years that you've been investigating it, how many spirits are okay. there? <laughs> well, there's definitely bus McGinnity. Yeah. You got bus McGinnity. Okay. Definitely. Joseph Kingsland, I would think the king. Yeah, yeah there. A couple of Kingsland um, spirits are there. There's Stephen. Um, he comes the chef. every time. Uh, Stephen actually has his name written on the staircase uh, going into the basement. He's, he uh, scribbled his he name scribbled on his the name stairs. When he was living oh, there. Really? And 
we didn't know about that until later on. And then we started getting this Steven coming through. Yeah, he through. kept coming through. Steven, Steven, Steven. And I'm like, and who the heck is Steven? And of course, Liam comes along. <laughs> well, shows us. The chef. He was the son the son of the chefs. And he, wow. he's deceased. He's passed. And he's like, you can t- I believe you guys are getting Steven chef. And he showed us where his name was written in the in the in, basement. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. That is, I love that. I think that is so fabulous. Um, Okay, so we've got Bus, we've got Steven, we've got a couple of Mm -hmm. the Kingsland family members. Any others? And we also have um, Dot, who I think is there now, because Dot was one of the board members. She recently passed away, but she poured her heart and soul into this uh into king into king of the matter and if it wasn't yeah if it wasn't for her like we wouldn't be even there at all and i I think she makes it yeah she makes it known a couple of times when she's there leon said he's got a ring camera on the front door and it went off once like the motion sensor picked up something and they got an anomalous figure going across the front door in front of the ring camera and he goes you know Mm -hmm. what He's like, I think that was Dot trying to say that she was there. Mm-hmm. And there was another instance about another uh, alarm situation that where the alarm came on on a certain anniversary of her. Right. And it was on the day of something. And, and we will. And he was like, again, he, he felt that was Dot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. 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 I think that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. And, and I think we get some. Um, people coming through the speakeasy, I think we kind of yeah. get, you know. I mean, some, for sure. I get, <laughs> right. always get that gangster feeling. Well, he had a right-hand oh, man, oh, okay. you know, all constables or, like, you know, mm-hmm. authority figures sure. speakeasy go on the right-hand man that takes right. care of the dirty side of the business. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe Leon does know who he is. Um, mm-hmm. I have to kind of backtrack a little i don't remember his name yeah um but i believe he is there and i think he's the one that has the vul- the vulgar language yeah, and i think he's the one that's possibly a little more negative because of the business he was in- into yeah uh, you know they're rough. the darker yeah. side of the business oh, wow well i mean that's that stands to reason though right right mm-hmm. yeah that's just yeah that just stands to reason um so what do you think are what are the most haunted or what is the most haunted room or area of the manor? Is it the speakeasy? Yeah. Hand, yeah hands, hands down. down. Yep. Is yeah. it? Okay. Is it? Yeah. Wow. What, what I want to point out too about Kingsland is aside from the speakeasy is in theory, of course, the idea of things that fuel paranormal activity are the environment, right? Right. So certain, parts of the environment are conductors to paranormal activity. If you look at the location that Kingsland is in, behind it, you have a body of water, yes, mm-hmm. you have limestone, yeah. and you have quartz, which are all fuel for paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what Laura and I call the trifecta. Whenever we're going over a location, yeah. and they have those three things, we're like, yep, that's it, haunt it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, and the more you do research and the more you study the paranormal field, the more you find out like what is the the conductors of energy. Plus, of course, like if there's, you know, a storm, barometric pressure, any kind of thing. I'm I found it's so fascinating in my training that I'm learning about all of this other type of stuff where 
a lot of people are like, well, if it's haunted, then people must have died there tragically and it has to, you know, been murdered or whatever. Not necessarily. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's yeah. such a I fascinating think, study, this field. I'm, yeah. I, I just love it. Yeah. You know, not to, I, I don't want to jump off the topic of, of, of the show or. No, or no, no. Just, that's fine. But just to add to that, like, our feeling is we tend to, which I know a lot of people are, you know, don't always think it's a good thing to, to communicate with spirit in your own home. We do our own sessions uh, with ITC in our home, but with good energy. We want to communicate with good energy, good things, good mm -hmm. spirit. And we've gotten incredible responses uh, through ITC in our own home uh, from spirit that aren't even from our location that are from buildings that are right down the road that are five minutes away. Really? And for me, I think if you give a spirit opportunity, yeah. they're going to grab that opportunity to communicate with whatever means that are, that are there that yeah. you're yeah, offering to them. And they're just going to come through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I think that one of my closest friends is Claire audient and he hates it. He really hates it. But um, once they find out, if he even acknowledges them even a little bit, once they find out that he can hear them, they're all coming in from everywhere. It doesn't matter. I mean, he may not know them. Right. They may know somebody that he is like happens to be standing next to in a store. If he acknowledges that he can hear them, then they are they will not leave him alone until he, yeah. yeah, it's, it's been really fascinating for me to watch, but he absolutely hates it. And he has worked really, really hard to not acknowledge them for that very reason. Right. Like you guys said, if they have an opportunity to come through, they're going to take it, especially if they have yeah. a message for somebody that they want to get across. They want to be delivered. They're going to try it. Um, so I, I, I completely agree. My friend has, has had this happen yep. for mm -hmm. a long time. And I think, yeah. I think it's really wonderful that, that you guys are wanting to communicate with other spirits and not just, you know, obviously all of the ones that walk in the light, um, and not just, you know, in a location where you guys might be investigating. I think that's really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and we always make it known that we want to just communicate with good energy and good intent, and right. we also mean uh, the utmost respect with yeah. the same intent in return. So, right. um, we want to make sure that we don't come across the bad guys, you know. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, have you guys ever, through your sessions with that, have you ever had a spirit stick around, not want to leave? Have you ever had to like? Has it ever gotten? Oh, no, good. not yet, because okay. like I said, I think because we're pretty conscious about our intent and we make our intent very, known, yeah. very known. Very clear. Um, and I, that's why we've been very uh, successful with our results. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we haven't had any struggle with getting rid of anything. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, um, not going well. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other things, be they paranormal or just really cool, fun facts about Kingsland Manor that you would like everybody that's listening to this to know? Well, they're very community-driven. Uh, they have great events there other than paranormal. Um, oh, okay. they, they, 
Yeah, they have um, like neighborhood friendly events, like uh, the ice, like they have ice cream events where they have right. the children come get and ice cream. Christmas oh, time, it's all decorated and Santa. Yeah, and they have Santa dress Santa, and, and I think they have carolers, and you really should go visit it. And and they, and they also do a, a speakeasy event around. Um, Halloween? No, actually, when we went, it was in February. February, I think, so near oh. Valentine's Day. It was oh, really, it was okay. really snowing, and the managers looked beautiful in the snow at night. Oh, I and they had a wine tasting, and it was a speakeasy party. So we all dressed up, and I had the flapper dress and oh, the, the gangster and it was the best. So they had that sounds like the best time. Go around the manor and they had hors d'oeuvres and wine tasting yep. and then uh you go down into the speakeasy and um leon had hired actors right and so you have to know the password in order you to have enter. to know the password to get into the <laughs> so just like an actual speakeasy back like in actual, they wanted to make it feel authentic right so you know you got you, you fake money and you got a cup of bourbon and all of a sudden <laughs> and people were dancing and then all of a sudden the cops raided the raid came the raid came <laughs> and they going and we all had to <laughs> run outside and oh go outside my the that is and the cops it was great yeah that was I really i highly recommend that if they ever do that again like yeah. definitely yeah go. oh that my was, god that really i that would that sounds like so much fun <laughs> it was and so then, much fun i just enjoyed yeah. myself yeah. And all and the money that they raise goes back into the preservation and the care of them. Yeah. Because they, they are trying to restore it back to its originality in some of the portions of the building. Great. Like, okay. Uh, and especially in the speakeasy, they're trying to make it look uh, authentic like it did back in the day. They're trying to preserve all uh, Buzz's cartoons on the floor. Right. He has his cartoon drawings all over. They restored the bar. They restored the bar. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, the work they've done is just, you know, really great. Yeah. So now, you had mentioned earlier in the episode that you caught an EVP of Buzz saying that he was going to break legs. Does he see what right. they're trying to do? With the speakeasy and with his drawings, like, have you ca captured any EVPs? Does he approve of what they're doing? Anything like that? Um, I, like, that was the only first time that I've gotten really anything. Yeah, break his legs. As far as um, if he would take that as a threatening kind of, sure. um, you know, yeah. statement. Um, but I don't know if that would... That, that was him per yeah, se. Yeah, it may have been. It could have been his right-hand man. Oh, who was yeah. was part of the business. Okay. That may have not liked how we were approaching things at sure. the time. Yeah. Um, you know, let's face it, like, they're unaware of our devices and our True. style and how yeah. we approach our conversation. You know, hmm. this is not the 1920s anymore. <laughs> yeah, and this was earlier. We got this EVP earlier when we first started investigating there. Um, okay. Now I think they kind of know us and. They've actually, we've gotten even right. piece where they call Matt the boss man. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm Love the it. boss man. Love yeah. it. And Gerard is the copper. Yeah, and Gerard is yeah, the copper. Yeah, Gerard Simonelli, whenever he's there, they call him the copper. <laughs> oh my, this place sounds like the best. Well, for those, of, for those folks that have not um, seen the episode of Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence, can you guys talk a little bit about um, the investigation that they did there with you and like some of the stuff that stands out 
for you in on that night? Well, um, again, I think um, we had all the best time when we were down in the speakeasy and um, okay. Ron Yacovetti was running all his radio equipment and stuff and the things okay. that were coming through were pretty, Amazing. yeah, like pretty relevant. I mean, you know, if we asked, we had also asked like how many, how many living people were in the room. Okay. And it gave us the number. I but think, it was off by one. But it was off by one. But However, then someone pointed out that there was a mannequin in the corner. <gasps> so they may have thought. And mistaken the mannequin, the mannequin for a living for a person. person. And then we asked the question again. And it corrected without it. Without the mannequin and it corrected it. It was spot on. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, and it it said it said um, everybody's name. It said Matt's. It said Tony Rathman. It wow. said it actually said Yakovetti. Yeah, did it really? And if anybody had, um, actually saw the um, the video yet, Lourdes um, was like um, saying "Dance Fool" or whatever, and Ron was dancing. <laughs> and then later on, out of the radio, it said "Dance Fool," and you know, and it had said his name and. Ron was doing his little dance. I mean, it was just so much fun. <laughs> I just wanted to see Ron dance. <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree. Like, now you have to dance. So <laughs> that is fabulous. So it sounds like there really? might be yeah. kind of a combination of intelligent and residual hauntings there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely, absolutely fabulous. Oh, yeah, because they got they got amazing audio, and I'm glad. Yeah, um, and and Tony Rathman got a chance to use the equipment that he builds. Uh, right, the, you know what the that he got, he brought it out. He used it. Uh, he got his name through there. Um, and what else happened? Oh, uh, Sherry, um, saw shadow figures. Uh, yes, walking back and forth uh, by the doorway. She was not the only one. But she wasn't the only one. I think Mortis saw also. Yeah, which is another uh, frequent thing that happens there. Really, we would be in the yeah, we would be in the speakeasy with the door closed. The light would be on on the other side, but the lights would be completely Same. off in the speakeasy. Okay. And then you would see, like, as if people were walking by the door, causing a shadow to go by in the break of light underneath the door space. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. That is, oh, yeah. my God. This place sounds and really think, phenomenal, um, you guys. Laura, Laura Simonelli, who has been there before and has been mainly comfortable there, she felt a little uneasy. I think she heard something, a growl or a voice or whatever. So when she was going upstairs, she had um, her husband go upstairs with her because right. she felt a little, a little uncomfortable, of the, right? Yeah. yeah. But she's kind of, you know. She's um, also new. And she's intuitive somewhat. Right. Oh, okay. So, but she yeah. really tap into it like we do. So I think she's a little nervous about um, sure. getting into that part of her abilities. Yeah. And um, I think she's more scared of, like, you know, bringing that into into, you know, her life. Right, um, yeah, right. Because she doesn't know a lot about. It. I mean, she knows a lot about it, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think she wants it. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. There's a lot of. Um, I know Archie, who was my um, host of the show prior to Laura taking over for him when he left. He didn't like that kind of stuff either. So we had done a we had done a podcast event down at Phelps Dodge last year 
where we took our top friends and fans and we went down to Phelps Dodge. We did a, we recorded an episode all about it just very much like we're doing right now. But then afterward, everybody got to go and do an investigation of the hospital. And Archie was like, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those yeah. things where he had to do it because, you know, he was the host of the show. And I mean, he, he had a good time. Some of his friends had gone and, but I mean, if he could have chosen, he would have been like, I'll just stay here in Phoenix, Carrie, and you go handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I respect people when they, when they don't want to be in, you know, in tune with that because mm-hmm. you really got to know what you're doing and how to, how to be able to um, close it down and how, yeah. to, how to protect yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know a lot how to do that, part of things then then yeah it's not for you you know it's not for you and it can get really dangerous and right you know you could inadvertently bring something home if you're just going for fun and you just want to you know that that's kind of one thing that if you're going on like one of these two-hour historical or paranormal tours of a location be it you know Kingsland Manor or be it, you know, Trans Allegheny has a lot of num- a number of historical and, and paranormal tours that are like two hours long or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. It's entirely possible that, you know, inadvertently you might sort of ha- have something attached to you and bring it home. Mm-hmm. And it's so happened to us. Mm-hmm. We know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and fortunately it has not happened to me yet. Um, but I work really hard and Tony and Cherie and Chris and Audra, that was one of the first things they drilled in my head when I started training with them is don't forget when you get in, right. when you leave, don't forget, don't forget, don't have that happen to you because there have been some right. entities at Phelps Dodge that have followed Tony and Cherie and Chris and Audra places and not necessarily just to their home. But I think there was a story where Tony and Cherie had gone to the Philippines and one of the spirits, Michael had followed them to the Philippines. I was like, wow. I do remember that story. Yeah. 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 So not that they didn't want him there, but like, you know what I mean? Like Michael was a very friendly spirit, but regardless, you don't want them to be attached to you. So yeah, that was yeah. one of the first I, things that they were like, don't forget, Carrie, you must do yeah. this. And they arrived right. every time. See, yeah. I, when I first started, um, back, way back, going back a long time now, but this yeah. is uh, even before I met my wife, um, I kind of grew up into the field uh, where provocation was like a big thing, oh, okay. where because people yeah. thought like provoking that you would get great evidence and you would get instant results. And that was a big thing back then. And it was like, but but now that because there's so much more negative energy out there and you're more susceptible to the vulnerability of Mm -hmm. that energy, like you've got to stay away from uh, provoking and you got to stay away from and be more respectful with how you communicate. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because you don't, while you might have a good rapport, even say within say an intelligent haunting, they yeah. can they can get angry just like the rest of us. They were humans once, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can turn on you just like a human can. They can. You always want to be respectful, and people and Matt. I think you and I talked about this when I was on Strange Oddities that you have to remember that this is their home. 
you're going yeah. into their home. So you need to be They're respectful. They're invading their space. That is true. Yeah. yeah. So why are you going to go into somebody's home and start like, you know, calling shots and saying, you know, I'm the boss and you're going to show yourself to me and Mm-mm. no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's where <laughs> that, we learned our lesson because, well, I certainly learned our lesson as far as that goes. <laughs> that's that I did on an investigation we did years ago and I was telling it, listen, she she got scared of something of an experience she had, and I just wanted it known that, listen, if we come back, we're the boss. You're not the boss. You're not going to scare my wife. But it didn't fare well for us because no, we brought really? something yeah. back with us okay. and it attached to, to us for over a couple of years, and we wow. had a hard time getting rid of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's one of my fears. I mean, and it could possibly, it could happen. I mean, and that's the other thing too, right? Like you can do all the right things. You can say your prayers. You can do all of the right stuff. And then it's, sometimes it's just going to happen. Um, I did. I said my prayers when we left the location and it followed us anyway. Yeah, it didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. See, and that's the thing is that like, hopefully it isn't something. And the fact that it stayed with you for years that's yeah. so wild. That is so yeah. wild. Well, it was um, funny. It was a slow buildup. Build and really? we were like, we're investigators always helping other people. But how do we help ourselves out of, out of a situation of our own? Exactly. And we ended up reaching, like, we didn't know who to reach out to because back then it was more competitive. Like, groups sure. were just starting out. And right. everybody had all. Especially on Long Island. On Long Island, yeah. it's so territorial because oh. we're on an island together and we don't have much, uh, you know, locations to offer. Really. Sure. And yeah. if you have like 20, 30 groups on Long Island fighting for the same area, you know, it's yeah. like, who do you rely on to help you? <laughs> yeah. That's so scary. Yeah. Right. The idea is really, the idea is really scary, especially if like, you're in that situation and like for example me and my family we are not we we don't belong to a church we don't like we were all raised baptist but we don't we wouldn't have any idea of a church to go to um you know we wouldn't have any clue especially if we didn't have anyone in the paranormal community to reach out to fortunately i right. do but we wouldn't have any idea. We wouldn't have any idea. So Mm -hmm. it's just one of those risks that you run being in this field, right? It's just, yeah, you know, um, it it really is. Everything we do is, is a risk. Everything. mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot that that's what a lot of folks don't realize when they're like, I want to learn how to paranormal investigate and it's going to be so cool. And it's going to be just like it is on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, uh-uh. it's nothing like it is on TV. It's no. nothing like it is. No. I mean, there are those moments yeah. where you get that EVP or you do hear the footsteps or you do have that, that like, you know, that moment that they show on these TV shows. Those do happen yeah. and they are really right. great. But a lot of waiting went into that. A lot of walking around, a lot of setting up equipment, a lot of, God, it's such a demanding job. Yeah, I know. We're just sitting there for hours waiting for something to happen. And we're falling asleep on our shoulders like this, you know, at three, four in the morning. Uh Yeah, it is. And there, and again, like we have, like I was saying, like there's, there's, there's risk involved in it too, that, 
you might go and yeah. find yourself in a location that that doesn't have right. entities that are that walk in the light. They it could be very dangerous. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of risk That's- involved, but it's very rewarding. I think I think it's so rewarding. I yeah. can't. I agree. One, yeah. of, one of the things um, while we have this opportunity, if it's all right, sure. Um, about one of the other things about Kingsland, which is great uh, for our relationship with them, um, we started our own haunted objects museum in the basement of Kingsland Manor. That's and right. There's, right, but on you know since we've gotten into the, the discussion of TV shows, there's a lot of. Um, misconception and misguided information regarding how energy is attached to objects. And so like, there's a lot of people who are afraid of, you know, item bringing items mm-hmm. into their home or mm-hmm. to their museum. And, yeah. Um, but I can assure people that what you see on TV is for ratings and they need to embellish that side of the paranormal because without that embellishment, you know, yeah. making it more darker, making it more scarier, making it more evil, making it all about demonic, you know, that's TV. Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah. That we call so far, not one th- bad thing has ever happened and at Kingsland. Not one bad thing is going to and happen. And it's not going to happen, right? And, and people have to understand that also an object can't harm you. It's the person using the object and their intent. It's the intent. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and I get a I get that question a lot. And there have been times that I've reached out to you, Matt, and been like, hey, my friend has this doll, or hey, I've gotten this question. And it is, and that's what I've been telling them is that it's not necessarily that the doll is haunted, but there's an entity that's manipulating it exactly. to get your attention. And now they've gotten it. So it doesn't necessarily, like, you can send the doll to Matt and he can bind it, but that doesn't mean that the, <laughs> the, the situation and the occurrences are going to stop because exactly. nine times out of 10, it ain't the doll. So I think that's, I'm glad that you guys brought that up because I think it is a very important misconception. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, like when you remove the items from that location where, where it's causing havoc for that person, Mm -hmm. when you remove it, that havoc is going to die down because it was more attached to the person's energy and the energy at that location is what was uh, making it more active. Yeah. And for sure, you know, so when you, when you care for an object and you bind it and you, and you, you know, put it away and people aren't using those objects anymore, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So nothing is going to happen at the museum. Right. So. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Yeah. But we're, we're not just collecting objects just for like, you know, for giggles We're we're right. also telling stories of the object of the people right. who own them mm-hmm. because That's to us so there's more there's more to it than the object. There's background, there's you know, whoever yeah. had it and yeah. and how it went from that place to the next place is also a journey and a story. And, a story. and we're trying to collect that yeah. information in between and give it recognition. That's wonderful. So now tell me, you guys are still accepting any objects that people might have or want to donate to your museum. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. How Um, can they do that? Yeah. 
Um, well, they can reach out to us through either our website or email us directly. Um, our website is hasparanormal.com, H-A-A-S, okay. uh, paranormal.com. Okay. Uh, or you can email us. It's basically the same thing. It's hasparanormal at gmail.com. Or okay. Facebook. You can get in touch with us yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. I have a public Facebook page, Matthew J. Haas. Okay. You can reach me there. Or on our Haas Paranormal Facebook page, you can also reach us there, okay. um, and you know, give us uh, an idea of what's going on with it, and you know, we'll give it a home. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, question with like, honestly, one of my first questions when my had reached out to you with regard to my friend and her doll, can they just right. send it? via regular mail is there a specific way that they should ship it to you should they put sage in the box like how can they just send it like well i would just send it as is um okay. and then we can assess what what the object will need after that okay um whether it needs a, a special binding because there are different types of bindings that we can give each item because i do speak to different um psychic mediums they all okay. have different um different ways of binding certain things depending on the energy that's with that item cool all right all right yeah. great otherwise otherwise yeah normally like they yeah. just ship it to put us it in the mail <laughs> put it in the mail okay um i have to, i have to personally drive it to kingsland because uh i'm not allowed to keep haunted objects at our home <laughs> no i mean they've been here but then we <laughs> yeah and they don't yeah. they're not here long <laughs> yeah we, we don't have the story we don't <laughs> That's great. That's great. Okay. Yeah, but, that, that, but that's what's great about Cleveland. They're giving us that whole other side of the basement to kind of store our things. So that's wonderful. Like, that's really I wonderful. Keep them on my dining room table for you know three months. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now you, Matt, um, you have a couple of other different entertainment um, projects and podcasts of your own. Would you like to go ahead and tout those now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, Strange Out of These Podcast is back. Um, I took a little hiatus uh, break because when you podcast for a long time, you kind of, you know, need to take a break sometimes to, um, in order to take a leap forward, you got to take sure. a step back. Right. And I had to do that. Um, but I'm back and it starts up live again October 7th. Um, those are tuning in. October okay. 7th is my return date. Um, okay. I'm going to have bigger guests than I had before. I'm oh. going to have really diverse topics than I ever had before. That's such wonderful. as we're going to have, we're going to have, which I'm really excited about a two hour Titanic special on strange oddities podcast. Stop. I'm going to have not only, yeah, listen to this. I'm not, not only going to have a Titanic historian from the international Titanic society. I'm all, also going to have the of a surviving uh, person uh, from the Titanic. Uh, she's related to the unsinkable Molly Brown. No way! And, stop it! You know, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm in like heaven. <laughs> oh my god! This is going to be so great. Yeah. Now, is this the is this your first episode back? The Titanic one? Uh, no. Uh, okay. October seventh. I'm going to have an author, Mark Marabello. He was on the uh, hit TV show Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. He oh, was cool. also on America's Book of Secrets. Okay. Uh, he's written books on secret societies. Um, so we're going to 
uh, dive into like you know really dark uh, secret society kind Ooh, of conversation. I love that. That's going to be really great. <laughs> All right, great. Well, I'm so glad that you are bringing it back. Um, I think I had the best time on it with you a couple of months ago. Actually, more than a couple of months. It's been a while. Time just yeah, flies a while. way too quickly. Yeah. But we yeah. actually are going to be doing our 100th episode live from the Stanley Hotel. And that <laughs> is going to be October 1st. I Oh, good. I'm so glad. But I will make sure to plug Strange Oddities Return and your guest on October 7th. So I wrote it down. I have my little pile of Stanley Hotel information and all this stuff. It's two weeks away, guys. October's two weeks away. That's awesome. My wife has been to the Stanley Hotel. I love it. I love it. Great place. I know. We are super excited. We we have room 217 for one night. It was the last night that they had it available for the rest of the year. And then after... That was the room that Stephen King, King yep. stayed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I investigated in that room. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, so we have that room, and then we have um, we move into, we're there until Monday, so then after that, on Saturday, we check into the Lord Dunraven suite, and we stay there the rest of the weekend, so we're yeah. pretty excited about that, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot <laughs> we have to get done between now and then. So, um, but I will make sure to announce, to let everybody know that you're coming back and you're coming back on the seventh and Mark Marabello is going to be your guest and how can folks, so how can folks, um, find out a little bit more about Kingsland Manor aside from like the sources that Laura talked about before she ditched us entirely, um, (laughs) (laughs) or before the cable went out in her area. (laughs) Yeah, um, they do have a website. Um, I believe it's uh, Kingsland Manor uh, Nutley.org, I think, if I okay. remember correctly. Okay. Um, I can also uh, send you the web address if that's not accurate. Um, okay. Go take a tour. Yeah, go take a there, tour. take a tour, go join the hobby. They, they do have tours. Um, Great, okay. And whatnot. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun, you know, aside from the paranormal right. stuff. Right. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. All right. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to let our listeners know, either about Haas Paranormal, Strange Oddities, Kingsland Manor, anything? No, I just want to um, throw out there real quick is uh, I, I love working with you guys. Thank you for having us on the Thank show. You. Um, you know, it's been a pleasure. And also working with Chris and, you know, Chris, all good and uh, Audra Keeler mm-hmm. working with Arnia Cavetti, Lourdes Gonzalez, Tony Rathman, and Shree. It was great, meeting you know. Them. It was great meeting mm-hmm. uh, Tony Rathman and Shree in person. Um, having the opportunity to hang with them for the night uh, was just amazing. We had such a great time. We did. It was fair, um, amazing. I think they know right now how much I respect them and what they do. And yeah. um, I just, you know, uh, I have just. I speak nothing but uh, great things about them, and um, I enjoy every minute I get that I that we have uh, to be on their show, and you know, vice yeah. versa. And, and you know what? They yeah. have nothing but wonderful, wonderful things to say about you guys, about Strange Oddities, about Kingsland Manor. They came back and just 
raved about the entire experience, the moments that you guys shared, the things that they had happen, the education that you guys gave them about Kingsland Manor. It really, really made it an amazing experience for them. And they have just been raving about it ever since. They should really um, watch this episode of your show because Laura is such a great job. And if they really want to know more, they need to watch this episode of your podcast. Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. I will let them know. Well, I think... We are going to go ahead and um, call it a episode. We've had tons of technical difficulties, um, but that is very much in keeping with History of a Haunting, guys. It wouldn't be us if there weren't fuck-ups left, right, and center. So on behalf of Laura and her sad Wi-Fi, um, I definitely want to thank you, Matt, you, Josie. You guys are just the loveliest people, and we are so grateful that you joined us for this episode. Um, we will let everybody know where they can find You're so welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll let everybody know where we c- they can find you, where they can find out more about Kingsland Manor. I think the, some of the holiday stuff that you guys have planned, that the Manor has planned, I think that would be so much fun to go and see it decorated for Christmas and hopefully they'll do that speakeasy thing again I think that would be really really fun Um, as always guys you can find History of a Haunting podcast on Facebook Instagram Twitter we are on the TikTok Laura and I have personal TikToks at H-O-A-H Carrie and at H-O-A-H co-host Laura Um, our hoodies are still on sale we're running that sale pre-order sale through September 20th they're $45 and I believe that is it um yeah so i think that's it bye guys we will see you next week with a brand new location and hopefully less technical glitches everybody please say bye to matt and josie thank you so much guys for joining us we had the best time (laughs) god bless everybody love and light to everyone have a good night